You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Good morning, everyone. So good to be here this morning and so good to continue our series, The Ten. So if you have a Bible, why don't you turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. If you don't have one with you this morning, it will be up on the screen. We're going to be looking at number three. We're nearly there on our countdown from the top ten. We're going down and we are on number three. Exodus chapter 20 verse 7 says this. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Father, in this place this morning, we pray that we would know you. Know your name and your nature. That you would speak to each and every heart and mind in this place, both on site and online. That you would change lives, change perspectives, change hearts, we pray. For your honor and for your glory. Amen. Amen. My name's Gareth, if we haven't had the privilege to connect yet. Some of you guys have been so, so good and welcome them. Charlotte and I, we've been here. This is our third Sunday already in Fangaday. It's so good. If you haven't picked up on the accent, I'm from Ireland. And for those I haven't been able to personally meet yet, I wanted to let you to know something about me that you probably wouldn't know. Don't get me wrong, when you get to know someone, you can find out so much. You can even go on Facebook and you can stalk and you can try and find out this, that and the other. And you'll find out that my favorite color is blue. You'll find out that my birthday is coming up really soon. If anyone has a notebook, you want to take note. 30th of August, you'll find out my favorite football team is the best team in the world, Liverpool. Can I get an amen? There's one, one amen. I see that hand, I see that hand. Good. But there's one thing you will not find about me on social media. One thing I've done my very best to eradicate and try and get rid of so no one would ever remember. And thankfully, it hasn't stuck. But I was one of those people growing up who had a nickname. Put your hand up if you've had a nickname growing up. Do we have a few people with a nickname? And usually nicknames, well, a lot of nicknames don't really complement your characteristics. And mine was one of them. I had a few nicknames, but one nickname, thankfully, it didn't stick was one that actually came from my brother's friends. So as I went into high school, my brother had already been at high school. And the high school I went to was a big rugby high school. We play a lot of soccer over in Ireland, and we, don't play the, we do play rugby, but the, our school was really into rugby. And my brother was a big fella. He would have pre- played prop, and he was strong. And he got the nickname Horse, because he was powerful. He was strong. You didn't want to meet him in a tackle. But when I came along in high school, I was much smaller, And I played football, and as a result, I had a lot of injuries. And everywhere I went, you know, because of the injuries in my ankles, it'd just be like, it clicks and clops. And as I walk down the corridor, you just hear my my feet cracking, and they called me Pony, you know. (laughs) Thankfully, it never stuck. (laughs) But this morning, I want to entitle my message, The Nature of a Name. The nature of a name. There's something about the nature of a name. Names just don't represent the label you're given at birth. They represent your very life itself. And we see that right across scripture. We see that names are so, so important. Even the first person, the first man, Adam, in the Hebrew, his name means earth, ground, dirt. We go into the New Testament and we see Peter, And his name means rock. 
And we know that verse, this is the rock in which I'll build my church. Of course, you have other examples in the scriptures. You have, Isaac, or you have Jacob and Esau. Jacob means deceiver. And you know the story. He would go on to deceive his brother Esau. Esau got his name because it means hairy. And he came out hairy. If anyone's thinking of baby names for children coming up, Esau, just wait till the last minute, see what you make of it. But there's so many things about names, okay? There's something about the nature of a name. It tells us so much about a person. Just by hearing a person's name, you can tell a lot about them. You don't really tell a lot about their characteristics, but you can tell a lot about the connection they have with people. Not just their features, but their friends. Because the closer you are to someone, the more informal and perhaps intimate the name you give them. And that's why it's really, really awkward when someone you don't know calls you by your nickname, isn't it? You know the people, you're like, you don't know me like that. Maybe you have a pet name. Maybe you have a, a nickname, whatever it is. But when someone you've never really met before, don't know that well, starts to call you by it, it can get really awkward really fast. And you've all experienced this. Maybe not getting it, but giving it. Because I guarantee the nightmare I had as a child wasn't just for me. All of us had it. Where you were in school and you put your hand up to ask the teacher a question and you said, Mommy? Yes, that person may be a mummy, but she's not mine. That's not the connection I have to that person. But even worse, maybe, just maybe, you've been in a situation where someone you, you don't know, or even worse, someone you do know, called your name that isn't in line or complementary to your character or your characteristics. I have another nightmare story from school, and it involves another teacher. In fact, as I went into high school, my older brother had been there for years already, and there was one teacher by the name of Dr. McAllister. And Dr. McAllister was quite a big lady, and she earned the nickname, not to her face, but behind her back, as Big Mac out of McDonald's. Very harsh. But my brother would come home, and because he would just talk about this teacher, he would just say Big Mac, Big Mac, Big Mac. That's the only way I knew her. Not as an insult, but that's her, the identity I found. And I can remember as a first year going into high school and the first class I had with her, putting up my hand, asking a question and going, Dr. Big Mac. <laughs> you see, the problem with both them analogies, whether it's mummy or Dr. Big Mac, they both aren't a true reflection of my connection to the person or the characteristics of the person. And that's the context of this commandment. It calls us, the third commandment calls us to know God's name and to go, know God's nature. It's calling us into deeper relationship with him, to really know him, to do, know not just his, his character, so to speak, and his characteristics, but to have that connection with him, to know God and to make him known. Now, where do we start when it comes to knowing God? When we look across the Bible, there's so many names, so many names attributed to God. We know God is Alpha. He's known as Abba. He's known as Adonai. He's known as Ancient of Days and Almighty, and they're just the ones beginning with A, okay? There's a lot of names, but there is one instance we see in the scriptures, and it's actually in the book of Exodus where God makes himself known, both his name and his nature to Moses. And we read of it in Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 to 8. 
It'll come up behind me here on the screen. Exodus 34, 60, it says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and their children and their children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head towards the earth and worshipped. Now I know many of us came into this room with different expectations and understandings of who God is. But I wonder, could we just take a moment right now in the middle of this message to meditate on who God says he is? Not on who you've heard he is, not on who you, you've inherited that belief from, not on any hearsay, but on what God himself says about himself. I wonder, I'm going to read that passage again, and I'm going to read it slowly. And I'm going to ask you, would you just take a moment to pause? And right now, we've asked, God, would you speak to us? That you'd have open eyes and open ears to see and hear what it may be that God wants to reveal to himself to you. Exodus 34. 68. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin but who by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Last week we had a moment when we were looking at how do we remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy and we looked at a verse in Psalm 46 verse 10. You'll know it. It says, be still and know that I'm God. And we looked at the importance of what it means, not when it comes to resting, just being still, but also knowing God. We don't just stop our work, but we start to allow God to work within us. We know that. We looked at it. We learned it last week. But did many of you know the second half of that verse? Often you'll see in coffee cups, you'll see in posters or stickers, be still and know that I am God. But it goes on to say, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You see, when it comes to knowing God, his name and his nature, God is seeking people not just to know him, but to make him known. This morning I woke up and I put on this t-shirt, every nation, because God doesn't just want us to know him. He, he wants us to make him known in the nations. And I find it so, so interesting that the Holy Spirit would do this. Do you remember just a few moments ago, we were in worship and for the first song and a half, the lyrics didn't come up on the screen. Do you remember we were just giving it to Jesus? We, we don't need lyrics to worship Jesus, okay? But I find it so interesting. Do you want to know the first lyric that came up back on the screen? I took a photograph of it because I wouldn't remember it. But it came up on the screen, the first lyric Holy Spirit wanted us to sing today was, King of all generations, let every tongue and nation surrender all to you alone. 
not just to know him, but to make him known. Well, how do we do that? How do we know God and make him known among the nations? Well, number three is so, so clear. If you want to know God and you want to make him known, don't curse God's name, carry God's name. That's the one application I want you to take away today from this whole message. Don't curse God's name, carry God's name. The Bible teaches us in Exodus 20 verse 7 that we are to take the Lord's name in vain. That means to empty it. That means to make it out as worthless or fit for no good purpose. We take God's name in vain when we don't give it the value it deserves, okay? We aren't to take it in vain. And that isn't just with our lips. That's with our lives. And that happens in each and every town and village and city across this nation every single day. People take the name of the Lord in vain. And you know what? I find it really quite crazy. (laughs) Because when you think of Jesus Christ, he was the greatest person that ever lived. Full of kindness and compassion to all people. He fed the hungry. He healed the sick. He made the, the blind see, the deaf hear, the mute speak, the dead alive. And then he went to the cross and he died for each and every one of you, including me. All of us. No matter what our background, no matter what sin we've committed, he went for you and for me. And yet, the one name that we profane is the name of Jesus. Not Allah. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, but Jesus. I find it so interesting that in that moment of desperation or deep frustration or or even sadness or, or happiness or joy, the one name that people say is Jesus Christ. You know, the devil has no issue with the name of Jesus being on your lips as long as it's not being praised but rather profaned. And when you misunderstand his nature, you'll misuse his name. That's not an excuse for it. That's an explanation of it. But this point is twofold. Like every commandment we see here, the the passage here, part of it is don't curse God's name, but that's not the point of the commandment, okay? Like all of the commandments, there's there's a part to it and there's a point to it. So you look at do not steal. That's part of it. But the point is be content with what you have and be generous to others. So when it says do not commit murder, that's part of it. But the point is to love and protect life. When it comes to do not commit adultery, that's part of it. But the point is to love and be faithful to your spouse. So when we see this commandment, part of it is don't curse God's name. But the point is carry God's name. When we look at the Hebrew in do not take the Lord's name in vain, it's so, so interesting. So interesting. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. That that Hebrew word for take, is Nassar, but it's spelt in a way you'll all remember and be familiar with, N-A-S-A, Nasa. And that's really, really helpful because of the image, because that Hebrew word take, Nassar, means to, to lift up or to, to take off, to, to carry, just like Nasa rockets that, that lift up and take off and, and carry into space. The Bible has said, do not carry the Lord's name in vain. Do not bear the Lord's name in vain. Now the Israelites were given this commandment along with all the commandments that was sent to them to set them apart from the other nations. They were to belong to God and to bear his name, to live differently, to show that there is one true God in Israel and in the entire nations and in the world and it's their God. 
the same way in the Ten Commandments, God is, is nearly teaching. We had a discussion the other day or yesterday with friends about a father teaching his children about the family name, you know. When you have children, you say, this is our family name. When you go out, you represent our name. The Ten Commandments are a wee bit like that. God is teaching the children of Israel. There's Tani, I was waiting to see it was you, your children. They're clerks. So you teach them when they go out, they're clerks. They bear your name. The same here in these commandments. God is teaching the children of Israel to bear the name of God. That you're children of God, and that means something. That changes how you live. Another image, if you don't have children, but maybe you're married, is the image of marriage. When I married Charlotte, she was formerly Charlotte Crummy. And when I married her and stood at the front of an altar and we said, I do, her name changed to Charlotte Crothers. She took my name and her life changed. All for the better, I hope. (laughs) But how she lives is now different. How she lives as Charlotte Crothers is different how she lived as Charlotte Crummy. Okay? And to take the Lord's name in vain or to bear the name of the Lord or carry the name of the Lord in vain would be for Israel to enter into this covenant relationship and to live no different than the surrounding nations to the pagan nations, okay? The same way in marriage, if Charlotte was to take my name in vain, would be to get married to me, become Charlotte Crothers, but live no differently. Still be seeing other guys, still living with her parents, still doing all that. But when you take on someone's name, it changes who you are and how you lead your lives. And as children of God, as Christians, we take on the name of Christ. We bear his name and that changes how we live. We're to, to honor his name and to hold it high to our neighbors and to the nations by the way we lead our lives. Colossians three seventeen puts it this way. And whatever you do, In word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do you realize that? And whatever you do, put your hand up if you breathe. Okay, we've got a few people. I think our dream team might need to help us out. There's some people with their hands down. Put your hand up if you work a job, if you have kids, if you are married, if you play football, if you watch TV, if you eat your dinner, when whatever you do, in whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name, I love how they phrase that, in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him, in the name. But the truth is this, although we are called to live in the name, and to be a light to the nations, you can only live in the name if you know that name. You can only be a light to the nations if you've seen the light. And this morning, I wonder, could we even go back to to Exodus 34? Could we get Exodus 34 back on the screen there? And we see that, I want to give you a light bulb moment for some people in the room right now. And as I read this again for the third time, as I read it, I want you to not try and... uh, Pick a word or two out, but as I describe the nature of this person, I want you to open up your mind to think, who is this person like? Who is the one person in human history this is like? The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, 
but who by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Hmm. Who do you know that is merciful and gracious, that is slow to anger, who is abounding in love and faithfulness and forgiven iniquity and transgression and sin? The Lord, the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. As Jesus says in John 10, 30, I and the Father are one. In fact, there's a lovely verse in Hebrews chapter one, verse three, where it says, he, that is Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. The nature of a name. The nature of a name. There's something about the nature of a name where you know not just who they are, but what they do. And we see it in Jesus. And I'd love it if we could just really zone in and on, on the moment where we hear the name of Jesus for the first time. It's found in Matthew chapter 1, verses 21 to 24. And you know the story. You know the circumstances, don't you? Joseph has been betrothed or engaged to Mary. And all of a sudden he finds out she's pregnant. She's conceived. And he is having real doubts. In fact, he's fearful for the future with Mary and he makes a decision because he's a good and a righteous man that he's going to divorce her quietly because he knows I haven't had intercourse with her. That means someone else has. She's telling me the story that an angel's visited her and told her that it's God. But I just can't, uh, I'm so full of doubt. His faith not only in his wife, but in his God is being questioned. And he's not sure what to do. And it's in this moment that God speaks to him and says this. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. So here's the moment. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. It's the moment we hear the name of Jesus, but also the nickname of Jesus. It's two for one. We see who he is and what he will do. Who he is, that he is God with us. If you're new to church today, Jesus is God. That's the message we believe. That's the message that has changed our lives. That's the message we proclaim, that Jesus Christ is God. And he's the only way to the Father, that he is Emmanuel, God with us. That's his nickname. There's a lot about the nature of a name, isn't there? But we don't only just see his nickname, we see the name Jesus, which means he will save his people from their sins. Not just who he is, but what he will do. And I want you to notice something so interesting here and something that jumps out off the page. The moment that Joseph realizes the name and the nature of Jesus, his life changes forever. He hears the word of God and he obeys it. He gets up and takes his wife. From a man who was so fearful of what the future would look like is now full of faith, not only again in his wife, but in his God. The name of Jesus changes things. It changes people. Once we understand who he is and what he will do, his name and his nature, it changes us. And this morning I'm aware that there's people in the room and the Spirit of God has been doing just that. 
that you've heard the name of Jesus preached and proclaimed, his name and his nature, who he is and what he would do. And it's been that light bulb moment. It's been that light bulb moment that, okay, not only who he is, but who I am in reflection. Just as Joseph, once he fully realized who Jesus was, he realized who he was and what he was to do. And when we hear about the glory of God, when we see the nature and the name of God, it reminds us who we are. Before Christ, we are sinners. That we are, we are actually born with the curse of sin. We're looking at do not curse the name of the Lord. Each and every one of us have been born with that curse of sin. But when we see who Jesus is, that he was cursed on our behalf on the cross, that he actually carried our sin, he bore our sin to the cross. He took my place and my punishment for you and for me. When we realize who he is, we realize who we are and who we can be in him. That he has come to set his people free, to save them from their sins, not just forgiveness, that's good in this life and the next, but complete and utter freedom. This abundant life and this eternal life that's only found in him. When you understand the name of Jesus, the name that's above every other name, or as Acts 2 and 14 would say, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name. Say no other name. No other name under heaven given among men by, what, by which they must be saved. There is no one else, no other name Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to the Father is through me. Jesus' name. When you know his name and his nature, who he is and what he's done for you, when you realize his name and his nature, you'll give and put your trust in his name. And this morning, I'm so aware that there may be people in this place and you've never done that. You've, in fact, you've not been living for God's name. You've been living for your own name. You've been building your own empire, your own kingdom, doing your own thing. But this morning you're realizing in light of how great God is, that there's a gap in between. That sin separates us from God. But the good news, Jesus came to bridge the gap, to, to save us from our sins, to die on the cross, for, to take the wrath of God. And you're realizing that means you too. You realize that like Joseph, in a moment, when you hear God speak, your life can change forever. When you realize the nature of a name, that your name can be written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that you can bear the name of Jesus, that you can carry your cross, be a light to the nations and to your neighbors because Jesus carried your cross. This morning, I, I want to pray a prayer and to lead those people in a prayer. If you want to accept Jesus, you want to know him and to make him known, if you want to give him your life for the first time, I'm going to pray a prayer. And there's nothing magical about this prayer. There's nothing about the words I pray. It's the start of a conversation. When I asked my wife, Charlotte, out on a date, I didn't do it with sign language. I, I didn't do it in tongues. You know, I, did, I spoke to her in a language that she would understand. I asked her. It's the same when we come to God. We speak in a language that he'll understand, that language of prayer. We start the conversation. And just as I invited Charlotte into this relationship, God's inviting you into it. But she had to respond to me. She had to respond. She had to speak. And right now, as I pray this prayer, if you want to make that decision and put your trust in Jesus, 
to know him and to make him known, to be forgiven and set free. Would you pray this prayer with me? Jesus, thank you so, so much that you love me, that you went to the cross for me, that you died in my place and took my punishment. I want to turn from my sin. I want to turn from cursing your name and put my trust in you. Carry your name to know you and to make you known. Would you forgive me of my sin? Fill me with your spirit. Forgive me and set me free as I seek to follow you the rest of my days. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we want to continue this conversation. And we'd love if you jumped out to the connection lounge, the guest lounge out there. We'd love if you could fill out a connect card. We want, to, we want to get around you. We're part of a family here. We carry the name together. It's not a burden that each individual has to carry, but we do it corporately together. And we want to walk this journey with you. But I'm aware in this room, the vast majority of you have already made that decision to follow Jesus. Isn't that amazing? That is so, so good. And we want to make a a declaration this morning. We want to respond because we, each and every one of us who've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, who, who know his nature and his name, who he is and what he's done for us, we want to say one thing. Jesus did not die in vain. He rose in victory. That this morning, you don't live your life. You don't live your lives in vain. You don't just know him and make him known in vain. You don't be who you are, where you are, to your friends and your family and your co-workers and your neighborhoods in vain. Why? Because Jesus did not die in vain. And this morning, we're going to take communion together. If you have one of these, I'm going to ask you to take it out. If you haven't right now, got one of these as you came in, would you just make yourself aware the Dream Team's going to bring some to you? We're going to take communion together. And we're going to sing and worship. And we're going to declare that Jesus didn't die in vain. He rose in victory. It looked like it when he was on the cross. It looked as if he was dying in vain. The enemy thought that he had won. But Jesus just didn't die. He rose again. Like he said he would on the third day. He didn't die in vain because he rose in victory. And he is alive today and forevermore. So this morning, we're going to declare that we do not live in vain because Jesus didn't die in vain. He has saved us and set us free. And this morning, we are free to know him and to make him known. We're going to do this, this time of communion as a, nearly as a commission this morning. As we remember his body broken and his blood shed, that as he gave his all for us, that we will give our all for him that we will not curse the name of God with our lips or with our lives, but we will carry the name of God. Why? Because of the nature of his name. The name of Jesus. The name above every name. The only name in which we know God and are known by God. So right now I want to invite you, would you just take the bread with me? now will you take the cup
And when you've done that, will you stand your feet as a symbol? As Jesus rose from the grave, I will rise from my seat. We're going to sing and proclaim his name, which deserves all honor and glory and praise. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.